Hey everyone, I'm Eva, the co-host of a new segment of the Invisible Not Broken podcast. I will be interviewing practitioners who specialize in chronic illnesses as well as have chronic illnesses themselves. I'm also the co-founder of Wellacopia, which helps people with chronic illnesses find their ideal medical and wellness practitioners. As an Invisible Not Broken podcast subscriber, we are exclusively offering our personal services to help you find that medical or wellness practitioner, even if they're not on Wellacopia just yet. All you have to do is contact us directly. I'll be sure to put those in the show notes, but now let's get started with the episode. Cool. Good morning, Sarah. Thanks Good. for joining. Yes, I really appreciate you taking time out of your very busy morning to speak with us today on the Invisible Not Broken podcast. Yes, it's a pleasure. It is, I've been excited to, to step onto the space and do this. I think what you guys are doing is, is needed, very much needed. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I, we've got a lot of people listening from all over the world, uh, a lot of people with chronic illnesses. I believe some that, have, uh, uh, that are support systems, um, including other practitioners like yourself. Uh, so I would love to hear more about you know, what exactly you do for people with chronic illnesses, as well as your experience with some yourself. So just share, I guess, your story in whatever way you'd like to share it. Sure, yeah. Well, so to give a little bit of, of background, um, I was in the medical field working at a children's hospital as a pediatric respiratory therapist for a little over 10 years. So in that space, you know, you can certainly imagine that you work with every disease, chronic condition under the sun. And this was being done in a place of, of children, not even adults. And so um, I never had a lot of firsthand experience until I had my third child. And I started to experience a lot of what I would call autoimmune symptoms myself. And I think, you know, when we were talking the first time we were chatting, um, I mentioned that there were things that I experienced throughout my life, but I didn't attribute it to anything that had to do with an autoimmune disorder. It's just things that I just thought that I had to deal with, you know, chronic headaches for most of my life and, you know, a lot of things of, of being tired, but I attributed it to, you know, poor diet. And um, I don't think I realized that it could have been like these warning signs or things that were showing me that my body was going into this place of autoimmune disease. So I just kind of went through life and just kind of kept dealing with it because we learn how to just deal with our pain. We learn to just kind of deal with what we, we start to think of it as our norm. We kind of learn to live dysfunctionally for a while sometimes before we go and seek help for the things that we're feeling, you know, emotionally and physically. So anyway, I, I was in the medical field for 10 solid years started having, you know, a lot of these autoimmune symptoms towards the end of my career when I decided to step out into the new path that I'm in now. And, um, and now I, I have complete freedom with what I do. And I'm a conscious living coach. And that's what I teach other women to go and do is to find freedom in their life, find, you know, how to embody everything as a whole, as far as mind, body and soul, and what that looks like to kind of up level themselves in their own life and 
the ways to the ways to do it and you have to treat the body as a whole system so i'm I forgot all of like the little parts of my, it's not little parts, but the, the normal parts of I'm married, I have three kids. Um, and you know, it's, uh, it's been, it's been a beautiful journey. I've had a lot of traumatic things happen throughout my past. A lot of things that caused a lot of emotional trauma in my past, which I do attribute to disease, which I will talk about whenever we get into it. And, um, and that's me. That's, that's where I'm at now. I've, uh, I've transitioned out of that space of, um, I guess, being a victim for a long time. And I really just took my power back. And that's what I'm out here helping other women to do right now. I, that's a perfect summary of, of what I understand that you do and also what all of us need. Um, and, and including men, I do get that working with, I, I actually like that you specialize in women. And I think, uh, am I right that you specialize in women typically? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's really good to do. I've, I worked in maternal health for a while myself, and I do really find women to be um, the center of a home. And I'm not saying that it has to be that way, but it typically um, women's um, ability to stay strong, to run a family, and to inspire others in the community, it's just sort of like naturally our way of being. Um, and I also think that naturally we, we do tend to be more emotional beings, which is why there is a greater prevalence of chronic illness in women, but it doesn't mean obviously exclusively. So I think it is nice that you cater to them in particular, and that way maybe you can focus a little more on your, your typical uh, client, I guess. Yeah. Is that right? Am I saying thing, anything out of print? Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head with talking because it is more prevalent for women to experience um, autoimmune disease, especially especially in our 30s. I feel like that's when it kicks in for a lot of women is when they start to get into their 30s. Of course, it can happen before or after, but that's also when I feel like we start to come into our own as as these big shifts we want to make in our life, you know, whether we've been married for a few years or we're getting into marriage, whether you're just starting to get into wanting to have children and a lot of these different things that really start to change and, and have this upheaval in our emotional structure. And then it starts to tie into, you know, other parts of ourself where we need to release some of these emotional blocks because that is part of what causes this physical manifestation of disease within our body. And so it's, for women in their 30s for autoimmune disease, like the numbers are just really off the charts in that area, but it makes sense because that's when the biggest changes start to happen within our lives. Yeah, uh, adulting, yeah. <laughs> as yeah. you say, seriously comes into play. And, and I think that's even true with people who aren't married and who don't have kids, sometimes the pressure of wanting them and not having them yet because yeah. women, technically we have, a, I hate that we have a clock, but we do kind of have a clock. Uh, te technology and, um, you know, there's advancements in, in treatments that are phenomenal, but, you know, we are who we are. I'm personally... Uh, experiencing that firsthand right now actually my husband and I were talking about it a lot this weekend uh he's very supportive but being a pediatrician I don't know if it's really related to him being a pediatrician he wants to have kids actually even sooner than I do yeah and I love um I love children I've wanted children since I was a child uh but now that it's coming up I've definitely noticed that when I think about it uh I actually 
I actually once had a flare up, like legitimately had a flare up anxiety of when I was <laughs> anxious about having kids. And one of those reasons was actually because um, I'm worried about my fibromyalgia and my hypermobility when I'm sick. Sorry, sick. Wow. When I'm pregnant <laughs> or postpartum. So actually, yeah, going back to you with that, since you said you you had symptoms of some sort before your pregnancy, like you, your yeah. migraine. Well, so yeah, I, I, your third, dealt sorry. With, I dealt with chronic headaches and I don't exaggerate when I say this, I literally had a headache every single day without fail. Like, so some days the headaches would be a little bit more dull. Some days they would feel more like migraines. Some days they would be debilitating. Some days I would just kind of push through, but there literally was not a day that went by that I did not experience a headache for almost 15 years. And, you know, I did all the little things like I went to the neurologist and went to the chiropractor and had the, you know, the MRIs done and, but nothing, here's the thing with Western medicine and I don't knock Western medicine because I think it has its place. It needs to be there for emergencies. It needs to be there for, you know, life-saving things, but it doesn't have a very strong place when it comes to managing long-term chronic conditions. And the other problem that I came across with Western medicine when I was working in it for so long is that when the answer isn't in the textbook or when the answer isn't right there, um, everyone kind of throws their hands up in the air and they're just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's next. And they don't want to say, I don't know what's next, but they literally don't know what to do. They don't know what's next. And when the solution has to do with something that is more tied into nutrition or supplementations or energy healing or all of these things which you know have a profound effect on our bodies but there's not a whole lot of science behind it over here in the western society then then we don't know what to do with it because when physicians do go to school unless unless they make it a primary part of their study the percentage of, of study that they do in Eastern medicine is so minuscule compared to everything that they study as far as Western medicine. So when they don't have the knowledge there, the knowledge isn't there and they, they don't know what to do with certain things. So anyway, all of the, the Western medicine things were not working for headaches. I did see the chiropractor for a while and that helped a little bit, but it wasn't a long-term solution. There was deeper places I needed to go that I didn't understand yet. There's a big part of my path that hadn't unfolded yet because I wasn't really awakened to all of these other parts of energy and self. And so, um, so yeah, I had headaches leading up for quite a while. And towards the end of my third pregnancy, I started to have a lot of the autoimmune symptoms that came to be more full force after I had my third child. So I was having a lot of pain. I was having a lot of joint pain, um, like in my, my toes and in my knees and in my, you know, hands, all of the joint pain was starting to kind of flare up. Um, I would get kind of, you know, lightheaded, dizzy. I of course would feel fatigued. Who doesn't when they're pregnant, but anything that was coming up, we attributed it to weird pregnancy symptoms because your body does a lot of weird things when it's pregnant. It can do all kinds of crazy things. And so it made sense that whatever was going on was because I was pregnant. And, you know, even with my OB and she was incredible. And she was like, you know, once we have the baby, then these will probably subside. And I was like, okay. So I just took that as what it was. And so got through the rest of the pregnancy and um, within, 
hours after I gave birth, all of the symptoms that I was experiencing before multiplied by like 10 or 15 and flooded into my body full force. So what I've, in my understanding, your body doesn't typically try to go into this flare up when you're pregnant because it is focusing on this life inside of you. And so a lot of women actually feel relief when they're pregnant because their body is like this healing place and it is focusing on keeping this baby safe. And so they don't have a lot of flare-ups. And so it was already kind of strange that I was having symptoms um, while I was still pregnant. Like my first big flare-up was when I was pregnant. That's, you know, not common as far as I know. And so once my body was like, okay, no more baby in there, it like went full mode, like attack mode on itself. And the symptoms were really intense. And so when I would go to my doctor, they said, okay, well, you know, you just had a baby, your body's been through a lot, this is normal, you'll start to feel better, it'll start to heal. And it's just kind of still attributing everything back to the pregnancy. And so I took that and I said, okay, you're right. And I just, I, this is my point of getting across that, yes, doctors are amazing and we need them, but you have to listen to your body and you have to tap in closer to yourself because they don't always know. They don't always know because they, they know what they know, but they don't know you on a core level. And it's part of what I teach women too. You've got to get to know yourself on a core level so that you can be your own advocate and you do know what's best for you more so than anybody else. So anyway, the symptoms weren't going away. They were getting worse and worse. Um, somebody did bring this incredible supplement my way that had a lot of anti-inflammatory properties to it. It was like these botanical ingredients and I was like, okay. And I started taking it. I did have a little bit of relief, which was enough to spark this knowing inside of me to say, okay, if this is giving me a little bit of relief, then there is, there's something natural out there that can give me more relief. And so by the time I finally got in to see a rheumatologist after all these, you know, blood tests and done and everything. And she said, you know, you have rheumatoid arthritis and most likely fibromyalgia. We want to start you on low dose of steroids. We want to start you on immunosuppressive drugs. Um, I think she was talking about Paquinol at the time. And she started listing all of the side effects of the drugs and talking about, you know, everything that was to come with it. And being in the medical field, I already knew the very hard side effects of steroids and what that does to our body long-term. And knowing that they wanted to put me on a drug to suppress my immune system when I was working in a medical field where I'm exposed to some of the most diseases I've ever been exposed to in my life. I was like, I'm not gonna suppress my immune system when I'm in this space where I can catch more. And so I just, I told her no. I said, I, said, I found something that's giving me a little bit of relief and I'm just gonna keep building on that and I set my mind to this knowing that I would, I would find natural ways and I would change every last thing about my diet and the way I live before I get on prescription medication to manage this pain, I will find a way. And so that started the path of, of finding a way to do this naturally. And I would say, I know we put like a weird number on it and you were like 98% symptom free and I was like, there's this little, there's this little percent of me that still feels, you know, if I don't take care of myself in the right way, I can, I can still have this reminder that, okay, it's like right there and you've got to take care of yourself. It's this nice little reminder that the pain will come up, the fatigue will come up. Um, 
all of the, the, the joint pain and the headaches and the things that will come up if I don't continue to take care of myself the way that I've been doing for the last few years. So, Right. Like you say, I, I like that you say you're 98% symptom-free or specifically that you say symptom-free, not cured, right? Because these are chronic conditions that we manage. And when some things, um, when you're symptom-free, it means that you basically feel like you don't have something. Uh, but, but technically, also because some of the uh, uh, information around chronic illnesses, especially fibromyalgia, is still so unknown. Um, yeah, I think it's really good to distinguish that, you know, we might not be cured, but that doesn't mean we can't live a life that doesn't mimic one where, like with any other illness, that we are cured. And the fact that you say that 2% is like when you're not taking care of yourself as well, that, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I think it's yeah. pretty remarkable that it's only like 2% when you're slacking a little bit on being great with your care. Um, yes. So yeah, that's, that, that is remarkable. I definitely feel the same way. I mean, there are times when I'm taking care of myself and I don't feel fabulous, uh, but I definitely see a difference between when I take care of myself and when I don't. That, that is very clear. My Absolutely. body yells at me. Uh, I was just telling you this morning, I'm, I'm glad we can do this call because I was just a zombie, like such a zombie. Uh, and some of it seemed like I was tired, even though I actually had to sleep in for 10 hours yesterday. I don't know. Maybe that's good. Oh, I needed it. I needed it. Actually, I, I was woken up very nicely by my husband, but he was like, okay, okay, you need to get up now. here. <laughs> You've been sleeping for quite some time. He's like listening to make sure you're still breathing. He's like, okay. yeah. He's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, and, he, and I mean, he waited till like clearly I was like getting up, but he said, I think, I think it's time. It's noon or something like that. Oh no, it must have been whatever. Uh, but yeah, this this morning for unknown reasons, uh, I had some serious fog. Having my coffee now help a little extra boost. I don't use coffee solely, obviously, but yeah. It's a nice little extra thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I actually made myself work out uh, this morning. That helped a lot. So, like, I just did elliptical because that will tell me a lot. If it doesn't wake me up, uh, some, I need to go back and rest. Something, I need to listen to my body, as you said. Right. Uh, but I also know from the past that sometimes working out will get me out of it. Yeah, that's huge. And I love that you're touching on that. That's actually the next phase in my path that I'm kind of pushing myself to go into. That's something that I have never been able to stay consistent with is working out to have my body feel stronger. So I know I'm very strong in my mind. I'm very strong in my emotions and in my heart and, and in my body as a whole. But as far as like feeling like this, like actual real like tone and strength is something that I've always craved. And I think it does come with part of you know autoimmune stuff because a lot of times you feel weak you feel like you physically you feel weak and to be able to kind of shift that and embody this like actual physical strength you know is very empowering so yeah I definitely agree and you're on a journey just like we're all on a journey and and thanks to your personal insight of uh of how you got to your 98 percent symptom free um you took the time and the energy that you had to to build upon and I guess dig uh, deep into what was what was missing and also what was there and needed to be dissolved. That's the vision I have of like when I've 
uh, grown as a person is it's, it's, um, I see it and then I dissolve it. Yeah. Is that, is that a good analogy? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because you're kind of, or so with, with energy, we know energy per physics cannot be created or destroyed. We can just kind of move it, transition it, transmute it. So if you have these big, heavy, intense emotions, problems, past trauma, or things in your body that need to move out or transition, then, then yeah, kind of picture, you know, anything that feels like anxiety, you can transmute it into love and appreciation. If there feels like there's something traumatic inside of you, even if it is part of your, your disease process, your illness, you can picture it inside yourself, however you want to, whether it's a color, whether it's a thing. And like when you say dissolve, I just imagine it kind of breaking apart into little pieces and dissipating, just kind of floating out and you're just letting it go. You're just letting it leave. And that's more powerful than, than anything else, being able to have that knowing. Yeah, I, uh, this has so been at the forefront of my mind, and it was actually brought up in our previous um, podcast episode with someone who's a, a fibromyalgia specialist. Um, she does physical diagnostics, which was really interesting, but a huge part of it was also um, you know, really being conscious to what's going on in your body. And we actually talked about, um, you and I talked about the documentary Heal, and then yeah. I brought it up during that interview. She hadn't seen it yet. Uh, so that was really beautiful. But before, before I forget, I really want to know if you're open to it, because um, I know it can get very personal. What were some of the struggles uh, that you had, or may I say trauma that you had that you needed to come face to face with in order to move forward? Yeah. Up to you. I think- I think it was really um, a lifetime of different things, certainly to some things that were bigger than others, but I was labeled as this like worrier for most of my life. And up until maybe like my early twenties, I didn't even really put two and two together that worrying was a form of anxiety. So I probably lived in anxiety for a big part of my life. And so um, I was bullied a lot when I was little as well, like when I was, you know, typical ages, I guess, like sixth grade, seventh grade, when we're like transitioning and there's like all of like the mean girls and whatever mm-hmm. takes place and, and taking that to heart and um, that being the catalyst as to me worrying about what people thought of me for a big part of my life. So that was like the first kind of like clinical point of, of more anxiety, worrying about what others thought of me, which these things they stood these as like emotional blocks inside of our system. And um, going more forward in my life, I got into, you know, my early 20s. And that's when I lost my father. And that was, that was a huge turning point, as it would have to be when we lose our parents, no matter how old we are. But I lost him to suicide. And I, it took me a lot to um, not hold on to that as any type of, you know, guilt or anything that I could have done to change and understanding that he had his own path. He had his own choice. He had his own desire of, of whether he wanted to be here on this earth or not. And that I didn't have to take on the weight of that. And that I can move into healing from that. It probably took me about 10 years to really get to a point where I could even talk about his death without totally breaking down. So I hadn't really gone into my like spiritual journey and my awakening and, you know, embodying more of self-worth and things like that at that point. So it took me a lot longer to move through the process of, of his death. So that was um, a big thing. And then 
you know, having kids changes things, you know, not always, but often within our marriage and within our life and the way that we can, you know, show up for ourselves and, you know, the friends that we carry and all of these other things. And so, you know, going through the different areas of having, you know, three children, it starts to shift things a lot in like the close relationships. And then when I started working at the children's hospital, um, I got into it because I loved working with children. And for some reason, it didn't even dawn on me what I was going to have to see when I was there. It never really hit me before I got my degree, what I was going to have to deal with on a daily and weekly basis when I was there. And so, you know, it, there's a lot of beautiful things that happen in that place where you get to see families heal and you get to see children heal and you get to see them beat all the odds and come out on top. But in contrast to that, there's a lot of disease, a lot of suffering, and then seeing children, you know, die on a weekly or biweekly basis is more than I ever wanted to take on. And I held on to a lot of that too. So there's all these emotional things I was holding on to. And um, then I got into a lot of the autoimmune disease process with my third child. And then a couple of years ago, my mom died. So I was sitting here, you know, I had lost both of my parents 10 years apart from one another before I had turned 35. And I was trying to make sense of that in, in my in my brain and in my body. And um, a lot of ups and downs within my marriage because of just, just everything, you know? We've been together since we were 15 years old, so we had to figure out how to grow together. And that's right. not easy. <laughs> so we had to hold space for each other a lot along the way and learn how to, to grow up together and still stay together. And so um, all of these things, everything that happens within our life, creates you know a memory within our system within our subconscious system and we usually have an emotional tie to all of these memories so if some of these memories feel like trauma and they feel upsetting the emotional tie to that is what keeps them so alive within our body so something that happened 10 years ago can feel just as painful now as it did 10 years ago because we have this emotional charge that is tied to it and all of these emotions are housed within our system. And if we're not processing through them the right way, then it does show up as physical disease and pain within our body. So that's another big part of what I help women work through. And with myself, um, I had to go and release a lot of guilt around my parents' death. How we hold on to guilt when someone else dies is beyond me, but we do. And so I had to release a lot of guilt from that place. And I had to start to really embody self-worth and self-love and that was the biggest key to getting out of all of the pain that I was in is actually feeling worthy and feeling deserving because as women so many women they don't feel like they're worthy that's the biggest thing I come across is is feeling unworthy that is the top thing that I come across with every woman I work with is unworthiness and it just comes from a lifetime of, of experience that all the things that we've been through. It really is amazing that I think at the core of everyone's issues um, is this little voice saying, I'm not good enough. I found that to be a real common denominator. I'm sure you have to. Oh, actually, on your website, what was it? The first line uh, is somebody lied to you when they said you weren't good enough. That really resonated with me. Also because I think, 
if this is what you meant when somebody told you it's not necessarily someone told you it's what you thought someone told you or a scenario yeah. told you Your right perception. yeah mm -hmm. yeah well first of all thank you for sharing that with us uh i'm sure a lot of people can relate to what you're saying uh whether it be directly that happening to them or or something around that emotion i mean i, I definitely know myself uh i haven't experienced exactly you know what you went through yet but i even watched i watched my mother actually go through the guilt of losing her mother right. which again like you say logically it's like beyond you how do, how does that happen but it does it yeah. does and that actually might be one of the most difficult things i've gone through is actually watching my mother lose her mother yeah well and that, yeah that's absolutely that just reminds me of this place that i often found myself in where even when I've, I've experienced different deaths in my life or even in the hospital when I've had to watch, you know, infants and children lose their lives. Yes, that's it's incredibly sad in the moment, but what hits you the hardest is watching the effect that it has on the family, mm -hmm. watching the parents break down, watching like the, the slow deterioration of the, the family that's still trying to go on and and live their life despite you know this huge loss that has taken place because i mean that's that's where the suffering continues i mean when when they're gone they're gone and they're not suffering you know and we hold on to this place of suffering or having to watch our family members just feel so depleted and sad because they've lost somebody that they cared so deeply about that is like the hard part so i mean watching your mom have to find that strength and not hold on to any type of guilt that has to do with her because we feel like we should save people we feel like well i should have done this or i could have done this or why didn't i do this and we'll play that mind reel as often as we can and hold ourselves in this place of guilt and suffering when ultimately it wasn't our decision to to go it wasn't our decision to to um keep them or let them go right and i i I found that she focused a lot on the end and not what happened throughout her life and how great a daughter she was and, and vice versa. Yeah. I'm proud to say that I think I had a really good impact on her because I could step away, even though I was very close to my grandmother, very close to my mother. I think that's why it impacted me so much actually was because my mother's relationship with her mother is like, mine is, my mother, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, a very close, we're all very similar. Um, but uh, I, you know, that makes me think about you with, you with your patients, you know, maybe you didn't have relationships with them really like directly, or at least for not a long time, but we're all human. We all have relationships. We all have love um, in our lives, give and receive. And so ultimately we can understand that pain, even if it's on different levels. Um, yeah, that's, that really is what humanizes us is relationships. And so when people talk about trauma, I actually really love to hear what is traumatic for, I mean, I don't want to hear about people <laughs> experiencing trauma like that's, I'm, I'm sad that they do, but trauma means something different to everyone. It could be the extreme of, you know, like, like losing a child or, you know, being raped or, or, you know, things that we really um, relate to trauma, or it could be, um, you know, just something that happened to you that's like a little thing that wouldn't seem big to anyone, but uh, like you got scared and it just stayed with you and played on your mind forever. 
It's, yeah. um, I mean, my, one of my traumas for sure is ballet. Like I find that so silly compared to other people's, but I have nightmares, not as much because I have let a lot of it go. Thanks to coaches like yourself. Uh, but, um, yeah, whatever, whatever hit you hard and stays with you, it's going to manifest both emotionally and physically. Uh, and have you found that actually I'd like to know why people come to you and when they come to you in the process of so, healing? So people tend, the women tend to show up when they're in this transition phase. So they most likely have been, like you said, different levels of, of trauma. It could just be, it could be big things like death or, or rape or whatever we want to label as big things. Or it could be, you know, these feelings of not good enough and unworthiness that came from maybe like a way that an ex-boyfriend treated them when they were 15, like you don't know. And so it's, it's, they come in this transition phase where they are ready for something different. They know that there is more to them that they haven't found yet. They're kind of missing this little piece to the puzzle because that's where I was at. I, I had done so much work with myself, but I was always missing this little piece to the puzzle. I was like, there's something there. There's something that I haven't tapped into yet. There's something that is still holding these emotional blocks inside of me. And there's a reason why I kind of keep finding myself in the same situation over and over and over again. And that's what a lot of people end up doing. We live in cycles. And I started to really understand and learn more about our subconscious mind and what that means and how that ties into our energy system and how our emotions play into these things as well. And so when women come to me, they are ready to transition out of what, you know, I call self-sabotage. So anything that you're doing to limit yourself from going to the next space of where you want to be, and that can be in relationships or in success or in health. It doesn't matter what it is. You're ready to transition into something better. You're craving something that is better for yourself, but you keep kind of staying in the same cycle over here, but you're really ready to step out and go over here. And so when they're ready to finally let go of these last few things that are keeping them stuck over here and transitioning into what I like to call this higher version of themselves, then that's when they show up and they're like, okay, what do we do? And so we go in and we kind of reprogram. We see what the limiting beliefs are. We see what the emotional blocks are. We see what the traumatic memories are. And we go in and we, we start to heal every last little part. And so it allows them to not um, stay stuck anymore. They get to step into this better version of themselves. Do you find that they get, some use the word like complete with what happened to them? It's like kind of like a chap, like a book that's closed in a story of yeah. their life. It's an analogy. Like, they, like they don't have to, they don't have to um, hold on to the old story anymore. They get to really step more into their power and understanding that they are the ones writing the story and that they are the ones that have been writing the story and that they can come into this acceptance, knowing that everything that they experience around them is because of what's going on deeper inside of them. Because we always think that we're responding to life. We think that life is happening to us and we're just kind of sitting here like, you know, trying to, to respond to everything that's happening, but it's the total opposite. Life is responding to what is going on deep with inside of us. And since we cannot control anybody else or anything else, you have to just fix what's going on deep inside and then let life start to show you, mirror back to you the, the healing and the work that you've done. And 
So these women, they, they're not necessarily in a, a victim mentality, but they do still self-sabotage. And we all do to a certain extent because we have limiting beliefs about ourselves. And so we start to, we have to discover what the limiting beliefs are and what our limiting actions are that support those beliefs that are holding us back every single step of the way. And really anything that is a self-sabotage or limiting belief is anything that sounds other than complete joy and unconditional love and patience and gratitude. I mean, anything else, we're sabotaging ourselves every step of the way and we don't have to, we can do better. Absolutely. And I think it's important to note that it's always um, a work in progress, right? Because life does keep happening and there are always going to yeah. be things thrown at us that will make us question it, right? And, and yeah. have us go back to this self-sabotage. But uh, um, I found, because I've, I've had coaching too, which has absolutely uh, transformed my, my, just my way of being and definitely around pain as well. So I'll have setbacks and be like, oh, it's, you know, I'm, I'm a victim, right? Whether it be I victimized myself or someone, or like I'll blame and like external environment. And then I think, but I decided whether or not that meant something to me. Yeah. I, have, I, have, I may not be able to have um, decide what happens to me. In fact, I, I really wonder how much control we have over what happens to us, but we have control over what it means. And therefore, I guess, consequences of what happens to us, like pain. Uh, but around that, I'd love to know what you think about the word, because this is something I've been playing with recently, the word responsibility. Because I think a lot of people hear the word responsible and hear like, it's, it's my fault. Or like, I, yeah, like it, it's, it's a negative word. But right. I've really been thinking that it's, um, it means just taking I don't know if it's taking charge, but yeah, being responsible for what you're able to do or think. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I, I think that when you see it, when you talk about responsibility, instead of seeing it as my fault, can we like do like a paradigm shift and say it's it's my power? Because if I am responsible, mm -hmm. then I'm taking my power back. I'm not a victim to anything outside of myself. And like you said, not seeing these things as good or as bad, but can we just see them as like experiences? Can we see the things that happen, you know, as an experience, even when we're feeling, you know, sad or anxious, or we need to kind of go within for a little while and withdraw for a little bit and spend some time with ourselves and maybe be sad for a little bit and not see it as a bad thing. It just is. We're supposed to have all of our emotions. We're supposed to experience everything, but it's not staying stuck in one for so long that it becomes debilitating and not seeing it as good or bad. It's just an experience. You just move through. But I think like, that's incredible that you can see responsibility as a positive thing. And that's like, that goes back to what you're saying. It's all of perception because you can say responsibility and some people can be like, so I guess it's my fault that this happened. And I guess it's my fault that I did this. And I guess it's my fault that so-and-so is unhappy or it's my fault because my emotions are blocked and my life sucks and I have all the pain. There's no fault. There's no fault there. It's just when you know that you have, this deeper power inside of you, then you can take responsibility for that power and actually start to make these huge shifts inside of your life and not depend on, you know, so many external things for this, for this to happen. And I mean, that's beautiful. 
Absolutely. I think I want to see if there's a, could you maybe give us an example, like more of a concrete example? So some of our listeners who this may be really, really new for this idea of and maybe some people really haven't even heard that your emotions can manifest into physical pain that I've been learning about it for a long time. And obviously you have, but that really could be a new concept to people and, yeah. and sound so bizarre. Uh, you know, it's like we feel something physical and therefore it's like, how could that possibly be anything to do with our thoughts? Right. So what's an example of someone um, that you've taken care of? Maybe someone who really didn't get that at first and then they maybe started to question it, found you and, and so on. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, I think a lot of people don't really truly understand the power of it until they're able to take themselves through it and then they're like okay I, I have something here I can do something about this and so um, I think of one of my you know long-term clients and right now we continue to work together because she's building these big beautiful projects for her business and her success and she kind of keeps me in her back pocket to like stay aligned and but when we first started working together um, she would have a lot of like stomach pain a lot of physical pain in her stomach and this is something that had been going on for years and there was a lot of stuff back from her her childhood that we've talked about of not feeling good enough like in her parents eyes or feeling like everybody was going to abandon her that was a big thing she always felt like people if she didn't show up in a certain way people were going to abandon her and leave her and that she had to she had to do certain things to make people love her like she had to you know, show up in a really specific way to make people love her and that she couldn't just show up and just know that she would be unconditionally loved just for showing up, just for being here on this earth. And so that was a big shift that we, we had to take and going back and, and touching on things that had to do with her parents and not being seen as a little girl. And then now as an adult, not being seen for all of the big you know, success that she's had, like she kept feeling like she wasn't being seen and that she was unworthy and all of these things. And it would cause these like ulcer type pains in her stomach that were debilitating to where some days she just felt like she couldn't go through and like, like have these daily functions. And so we went in and we did a lot of, of understanding around limiting beliefs and understanding that she didn't have to do things to make people love her that in starting to use people as, as her reflection as her mirror and looking at the ways people were showing up in her life and whether that felt good or not and started to to go into bigger acts of self-love and of worthiness and she she put in the work she started to you know shift her mindset this is a this is the hardest part of what I do with people is this reprogramming of their mind, but it means showing up in a different way every single day than the way you were showing up before. It means watching your thoughts closely. It means having this greater awareness of the, the cycles and the thoughts that you're holding on to, of having this greater awareness of your emotions and the way that you are reacting to things around you. And so she made these incredible shifts as far as the way she was acting and reacting and thinking. And then within a couple of months, I would say, her stomach pain just dissipated. It just went away because she wasn't holding on to that in that space anymore. So whenever we have these emotionally traumatic things or we have these emotional blocks, 
it's going to manifest in all different areas. And if, um, if uh, I had to recommend a book to kind of help people see what physical pain is tied to what emotions, um, I would say look into Heal Yourself by Louise Hay. And I wonder if I have it. Next oh, no, week. I don't have that. I was wondering. I had a couple books by me. Oh, it's actually on my, no, it's on my like little um, Kindle, but that's been huge. So it doesn't have every disease listed, of course. I mean, it can't. There's too many. But you really it are. tells you, it kind of gives you this idea of the emotions that are tied to each thing. And it will go into things like rheumatoid arthritis. It will go into ulcers. It will go into headaches. It'll go into motion sickness, like all of these things that honestly, you know, that's another thing I've always experienced was motion sickness. And I looked into what's hiding behind motion sickness and it's fear, fear of not being in control. And I was like, well, damn, that's like nail on the head. I've always had this fear of not being in control. So it makes sense. So you look at these things and you're like, wow, okay, there's something deeper here. Skin disorders, eye problems, like all these different things. There is always an emotion tied to it because we are an energetic being. And emotions are simply energy in motion. So if we have all of these emotions that are working within us at every given second of every single day, then any physical pain is going to be part of that. It's impossible for it not to be. And then when we're taking all of the, the prescription medications and the drugs, um, we're never healing anything ever in that space we are putting a band-aid on it for a little while and i understand sometimes we, we feel like we need to because the pain is so great we need to just get it under control for a moment so we can think and breathe for half a second but to do it long term we're just masking it long term and if you get in and you actually start to understand where all of these emotional blocks are coming from and usually it's all coming from childhood and it just mm, yeah. builds ever since then you actually are healing yourself on a cellular level. You are actually changing your body chemistry. You're changing the makeup and you're changing the, the neural pathways in your brain. You're changing everything. You start to go into what is known as epigenetics. So you're not mm -hmm. a victim to the genetic makeup of things that it could have been passed down to you. And you're not a victim to your actual environment because you, you become wiser than that. And you can, you know, take your control back in that way. That is a fabulous point that I wanted to bring up. So, um, you know, genetics is a huge, has a huge, I'll say influence or even potential influence. Uh, so sometimes there, there are, I don't know if anyone on the podcast knows this. I don't think you know this. I, I'm a nutrition scientist by like academic trade and my specialty was epigenetics. Um, it, I, my thesis was, was specifically in epigenetics, um, uh, prebias and colon cancer. Now, uh, what, the reason I loved epigenetics was because epi meaning literally translates to above genetics. And so you're born with a certain genetic code and then epigenetics are, it's, it's a concept of turning on or off genes. So we absolutely may be born with predispositions for things, and sometimes genetics are stronger than outside environment. It is true, like, I mean, think of the BRCA gene for, um, uh, for breast cancer. There's a lot of reasons why people decide to get a uh, double mastectomy, mastectomies? I'm saying that correctly, right? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah, fine, geez. Sorry, I'm saying it wrong. Um, and that might just be precautionary, but I guess it's just been shown in studies that you are much, much more likely to get it. 
genetics can be very strong. But I agree with you in that we have way more influence on whether or not they express than we think. And nutrition really, look, I'm a little biased here, but the science shown that has, I really, it's one of the greatest determining factors. In fact, the last time I checked, I think this might just be with cancer, so forgive me, but I think only 4% of cancers are determined purely genetically. And we always think it's like, oh, well, you know, it runs in my family, so I got it. But it might just be that it does run in your family, but it's the way your environment, both internally and externally, has decided that it wants, it wants to be expressed or not. Or maybe you are going to get it and you have the ability to turn it off. Yeah. Now, what I'm saying is obviously very simplified. And what you're saying is too, because it's so complex. And the, the truth is we, we don't know whether, some, whether we have control to turn it on or off. But at the very, very least, we can try uh, because yeah. we, we, we don't know what's going to happen. So like some people get really ill, even though they eat healthily, they um, do a lot of mindfulness work. Um, and there might be something else we didn't know about. Maybe we'll never know about, like something in the environment. Uh, but it's obviously been shown. I like to say that anyone is welcome to ask me or Sarah for any background information on this. I'm just not going to go into it <laughs> right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that if you are healthy in terms of what you put in your body, um, how you treat your mind, like your mental state, and also and physically how you um, protect yourself, you are much, 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 much more likely to live a healthier, balanced life and not um, experience these kinds of, it's like, I don't want to like put blanket statements, right? But we, it, it's not news that all of these things can help us, but I think it's important that we really think about that on a deeper level. Not just like, oh, I know I should meditate you better, or yeah. <laughs> go to therapy or eat better. Like I know these things, but really to know just yeah. how influential they can be on your health. And I personally think um, mindset and where, where you are mentally and emotionally has maybe the biggest impact. And, and that's me as a nutritionist talking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I like to say that um, my personal recommendation to anyone that comes to me with a chronic illness is first, do you have some um, emotional mental health support? Yeah. I think sure. if like those were the primary things that physicians would help people work through whenever they're coming in with chronic pain is first, Let's talk about your emotional status. Let's talk about your mental well-being, and let's talk about your nutrition, which you are and are not putting inside of your body, and like let that be the starting place before we go straight into steroids and prescription drugs. Like, can we start there first, and and you know, just actually honor it for how important it really is, because, and this is just my my belief. Anybody can take it or leave it. I don't care, but. I believe that everything that we need to cure and heal ourselves is either within us or on this planet earth. We just have to find it. There are so many ways and I have seen this happen, you know, time and time again. And I've seen energy healers go in and help people relieve themselves of cancer. They come back and the cancer is gone. I can, I've seen 
miracles happen around energy work and then I also see people that have been able to cure themselves through plant medicine and all the things that are here on this earth but it takes a little bit more work it takes a little bit more time you know I, I could have taken the the drugs that were offered to me as far as you know just some instant pain relief I guess it's with all of the flare-ups and the pain and things like that and I understand when we feel desperate we just want to get rid of the pain right then and there because it hurts and we want to feel good and we're tired of being tired and we're tired of being sick and we're tired of being in pain and we just want to feel normal and we want to feel good and we want to feel happy and if somebody's like here with something that's like right here in front of you take this and you'll feel better and we're like yes please give me something because I want to feel better and I get it but if you can step back for a minute and say this is going to be worth it long term if I start to go into the deeper parts of myself, if I start to release the actual root causes of why some of these things are happening, then I mean, that's, that's everything. Even if you're doing that while you're taking, while you're stuck on some of these meds, if you're somebody that's listening right now and you have, you know, 10 bottles of pills that you're supposed to take in like, you know, one day and you have your regimen laid out and that's how you're trying to get through every single day, you can still start to do the deep work while these things are in place and then hopefully start to taper back on some of these things and start to to get yourself back to find yourself again and not feel lost in all of the, the side effects of all of the, the drugs that you've had to be on and not feel bad about all of the drugs you've had to be on because you're doing it out of good intention because you just want to feel better we don't want to hurt and feel sick and sad and tired and in pain but there's deeper places that we have got to go and understand if we want to not stay stuck in these like cycles of, of pain and, you know, synthetic drugs for the rest of our lives. Yeah. I, um, I, I like that you said, even this is clearly a long-term project, some longer than others, uh, digging deep into your history and like going truly past the subconscious into the unconscious. It's uh, it's hard work. But that doesn't mean you can't get started. So like if you are taking a lot of medication, like you said, because I'm sure a lot of people listening are um, and um, or want to like right now and, and things are like you're in desperate mode. It's terrible. But but I mean, it happens and, and we get it right. Uh, all you want is relief right now. And and if you need some right now and, and that's OK, there are different ways to go about that that maybe healthier than others, but that's up to the individual. But it's never too early or late to start, right? Like yeah. doing doing the deep work. Uh, so I guess, yeah, if you had to give like one piece of advice, just if someone wanted to start something today um, along the lines of what you do, what might you recommend? Mm -hmm. I, would, I would first say start a meditation or a mindfulness practice whatever that can, can look like. And when I say meditation, it can, it can mean sitting down and listening to a guided meditation and actually taking your mind on this, this journey. Um, or it could mean, you know, doing something where you are very in the moment, whether that is painting or drawing or, or singing or doing like a walking meditation when you're walking outside, but you're very aware of everything happening around you. You're aware of the birds, you're aware of the butterflies, you're aware of the wind, you're aware of everything in the very now moment because that is honestly the only moment of true peace that you can ever feel. 
is being in the very now moment. If you're thinking about something two seconds ago or something five minutes from now, you're not truly at peace with yourself because you are distracted by things that, that aren't real, things that have happened and things that are going to happen. You're not centered right now. And so I would say meditation, mindfulness practice, whatever that looks like for you, start to make that your daily thing. Make that a priority for yourself. And um, as far as starting to do the emotional work, one thing that I always ask my clients right off the bat is what are the top three emotions that you experience most often? How, what, what do you experience emotionally when you wake up? What is the most prominent thing that is there? And then we start to go into those spaces. So it could be anxiety, it could be fear, it could be sadness, um, it could be so many different things. Then we start to pull back the layers of where that emotion is coming from because you can't keep running from it. That's why the pain keeps coming up. Yeah, like the, the why. That's what I tend to do is, okay, I've identified that I'm feeling this emotion. Why? And, and going also to the why, not to the blame game, right? Whether it be me or someone else. It's like, no, why? What is it that's really going on? What's that little voice saying? Or what's, what's the voice that I need to even start to listen to? Like maybe I didn't even realize there was a voice there. That's yeah. something through coaching that I've gotten really good at is actually being able to stop and, and be like, oh, okay, there's a voice. Now what are you saying to yeah. me? <laughs> yeah, and not being afraid of it. Not, and even if it's a... Uh, Sometimes it's, it's the, night, the nice, quiet voice of your, your higher self and your intuition and your guidance that's kind of nudging you in the right direction. Sometimes it's the, um, the mean girl coming in that's like telling you all the things about you're not good enough, you're not worthy, what are you doing, this is dumb, blah, 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 mm -hmm. whatever it says. Whatever the voice is, don't be afraid of it. Even if it's the one that is like kind of bashing you, invite it to come up and sit and hang out next to you and just be like, okay, I see you. What are you talking about? What's going on here? and just kind of let let it come up for a little bit because when you're afraid of it and when you're resisting it it's like you start to go into this internal battle and that causes more emotional blockage and so it goes back to the very old saying you know not be don't be afraid of fear itself like don't be afraid of the fear don't be afraid of the anxiety let it come up as an emotion see it as an emotion and you are not that emotion okay you're not the anxiety you're not the sadness you're not the fear it's just something that is happening inside of you in that moment become the observer of it not the person who is like drowning in it oh that's so beautifully said thank you uh i um i actually just really want to quickly bring up a couple personal things in case this helps anyone like that I've done this kind of mindfulness work like to get started I was told a long time ago um so I personally like to get things off my chest that's one of the ways I meditate I guess you could say in a way I do like to do the sitting and breath work and I work on that and for anyone who doesn't know this it is like building a muscle so I don't I don't think I actually meditate most of the time <laughs> I think it's like working on focusing on my breath and my body and that and even when I do that those days are better yeah. Even if I didn't meditate, I really don't know how many times I've actually been able to get into a meditative state, but it still helps working on it. Really. Yeah, does. absolutely. Uh, but some other things I've done are that like my, I'm, I am a very emotional person. And so they sit here, like you said, and you want to bring them up next to you. I bring them up by doing like talk therapy and that can be not even with a therapist. It can be by myself. You got to, it takes like a second to get comfortable with like speaking out in a room where no one's there. 
Yeah. And sometimes even recording yourself just to listen back and go, wow, I didn't think that was there. Because when you have no filter whatsoever, things really do come up that even if you sat there and really thought about, it's just incredible. Yeah. It's like, I'll say, I'll say, whoa, to myself, like, okay, where did that come from? So that's there. Didn't know that. And, and then when, if I really feel like I can't or don't want to talk, I do write. Um, and if you let yourself just like, you maybe even put a timer on for five minutes or whatever, and you just, just write like anything that comes up because no one's going to look at it. It's just for you. But you really do have to keep in, like, don't be afraid of fear. Like you said, that's such a really great quote um because because it is scary but like you have nothing to be scared of it's your own words right and then yeah, and then yeah. you can deal with it and I then to, oh go ahead oh I mean just one last quick thing this, this is a presence exercise that it's amazing okay. how well this has worked so yeah I agreed with like a release and also being present so um, when I feel like I'm really out of it and by the way this has helped with fibro fog also mm -hmm. um, Someone gave me this idea to pick one color to focus on and notice where that color is all around you, especially when you're walking. Yeah. So like right now, let's just say I want to focus on the color pink. I have a, uh, a post-it note that's pink. There's a book over there that's pink. There's another post-it note that's pink. Your headphones are pink. Yeah. And you know, it's, uh, there's some pink in that photo. I just, it's, I become really present to my surroundings. Yeah. It's so yeah. simple, yet I, I don't know, it's I enjoy powerful. it. So, okay, so I'm a book junkie. So book number two, if nobody has read it, is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Oh, yeah. I had to, I started it at one point in my life, and it wasn't really hitting, and I, I couldn't really flow through it, and so I put it back. But you always pick it back up when you're meant to, and then I picked it up again, and I was breezing through it, and it just was like all of the aha moments, and it, it really helps you to understand that the only true moment where you hold peace and power is the very now moment, literally right now. Oh, it, that is a really good book. Uh, we'll definitely be sure to put your recommendations and maybe any other recommendations you have uh, in oh, the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I do too. I've, I've got some next to me. Uh, we do have to wrap up now, but I'd love to end with a mantra quote, just idea that you have that you feel would be good to send to every chronic illness warrior out there or to, uh, honestly, just any person out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there's two things, okay? And one, one is a quote by Eckhart Tolle, and it is a single conscious breath in and out is a meditation. And you can hold a lot of power in that place. And do not underestimate your own power. That's huge. Oh, I love them. <sighs> Take a deep breath myself. Oh, breathing yeah. is so powerful. I love it. It is. It is. Uh, well, Sarah, thank you so much. This was, um, this was like meditative for me, even talking about all of this. Uh, really glad we could have you on today. So uh, yes, thank you. And um, we will have you back on sometime. I, there's so much more to talk about here. Yeah. Oh yeah. I could talk about this stuff all day, obviously. So all thank you. Day. <laughs> I, I appreciate um, the openness of this space because this isn't always a conversation that can be had when we're talking about pain and disease because um, it's, a, it's a sensitive space. And so I'm really grateful that I was able to just speak authentically about my beliefs and 
and my experience here. So thank you. And if anyone has any questions for Sarah, we'll leave her contact information in the show notes. Uh, and thanks everyone for listening because I know that this must have been a, a deep episode for a lot of people. I'm sure this uh, brought a lot of our thoughts to the surface that maybe we're just discovering. So, and that's all good, all good. In fact, it's brilliant. I hope a lot of you felt that way. Yeah. All right, bye, thank you. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Invisible Not Broken podcast. I'm Eva, your new co-host and co-founder of Wellacopia, the matching platform for chronic illness patients and practitioners. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, be kind, be gentle, be badass.